0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: In our super connected, super wired world, it's possible to meet and follow anyone, anywhere.
2: The oh, they've reached luggages and the passports have been checked.
1: And here at the international arrivals at Sydney Airport, a dazed looking family have just landed from Pakistan.
2: They'll be here soon
1: because they followed a big-hearted writer from Newcastle.
3: Finally! For yes. Fahim, so
1: good to see it feels like a dream.
3: When the airplane landed into the Sydney, I thought with myself, it's unbelievable. Yet you are asleep, and yet you are inside your dream. Dr Vanessa, <laughs> I really, you did lots for us. Believe me, you did lots for us.
1: I'm Miyukioki Ranta, and on earshot in our final episode of our follow-me season, Claudia Taranto finds out what happens when one person takes a leap of faith. You never know who might follow.
4: About a year ago, my friends Kristen and Raf told me they were going to help some Afghan refugees settle into our neighbourhood. They were a young couple who'd been leading busy, engaged lives in Afghanistan before the Taliban returned to power.
5: My name is Samira Yama. I was uh, working for my people,
4: for my life, for my family. Samira was 28. She was working as a journalist. She was a swimmer and a women's activist. And in her hometown of Herat... She'd even been trying to convince local authorities to let women play water polo.
5: I had to talk with a lot of uh, strict uh, men and they said swimming is not good for our culture and is not good for women because of the outfit. But I was happy that we will do that in future. But as you know, future... Taliban
4: came and everything destroyed. Samira studied public administration at uni. That's where she met her husband, Fahim. And he was also pretty sporty. He'd played football for the Afghan under-21s national team. This is Fahim Habasin. I'm a professional soccer player. Fahim's day job was in Kabul, working for the US Embassy, managing 90 of their service staff. But in early August 2021, he got a call from Samira's father. Samira's two brothers-in-law had been taken by the Taliban in a remote village. In fact, to this day, they're still missing.
3: When Samira's father called me, a big problem and a big tragedy and big accidents happens. Maybe my daughters will kill themselves. I need you and Samira's support to come back here.
4: They rushed back to Herat and tried to calm the family. But then the Taliban came to Herat, and overnight Samira and Fahim's lives changed. Herat is a small
5: city, and all people, they know about each other, especially neighbours. And they reported to Taliban that there is a couple here in this street, that they work for women or they work for
4: US Embassy. After a long night, sitting in the dark because there was no electricity, talking to their family about their future. We couldn't trust people, and we just escaped. They returned to Kabul. But let's wind back a bit now to explain how Fahim and Samira landed at Sydney Airport, because that story starts seven years ago with a baby's cot in Newcastle.
2: I'm Vanessa Alexander. I'm... I'm a freelance writer. I've been a television writer, a television director, a television producer.
4: You might have seen Vanessa's work on streaming blockbusters like The Great and Vikings Valhalla.
2: Probably about seven years ago, I gave an Afghan woman in Newcastle a cot after
4: my daughter no longer needed it. That woman's name was Hamira, and she and Vanessa became friends.
2: And eventually, she even came and played in my ukulele orchestra. And there was a sort of night, maybe a month before the fall of Kabul, where she told me that different members of her family had been killed in other cities. She was very distressed. Her sister's house had been set on fire. And she was worried about her sisters being forcibly married to the Taliban. I just thought, well, what
4: could we do? Vanessa rallies her family, her friends, even people in the ukulele orchestra. And they all put in money to get Hamira's family flights out of Afghanistan. There were 22 of them. But first, they have to get passports. And on the 15th of August 2021, they're all in the passports office in Kabul when this happens.
0: Afghanistan is waking up to the dawn of a new era of Taliban rule. The extremist group has recaptured Kabul and its grip on power across the nation.
2: So at that point, they had no passports, no visas, no nothing, and it was just chaos. And the area that they lived was very close to the airport, so there was a lot of Taliban
4: checkpoints. And what about Samira and Fahim? Remember, they're also in Kabul. They immediately go into hiding, but they're constantly on the move, dodging the Taliban.
3: We changed our locations many, many, many times, maybe 100 times or more than 100 times. We saw that things in the movies. We never saw in real life. Fahim's hoping his colleagues are going to help him escape to the US.
4: But they're not returning his calls. Things are looking pretty desperate. Meanwhile, Vanessa's in Newcastle, googling how to apply for humanitarian visas to Australia for Hamira's relatives. She calls in some friends to help. She dubs them the Geek Girl Scholars. They have no idea what they're doing, but they're working at it day and night. And in
2: the end, we got them visas, but you still had to get into the
4: airport. Remember those images of Kabul airport in the first few days after the Taliban took over? Kabul's airport tarmac is awash with desperate people trying to make a break for it. The crowds, the chaos, people chasing planes across the runway. Vanessa sees them too, so she knows she needs someone to go and recce the airport before she sends all 22 of Hamira's family there. But she doesn't know anyone in Kabul. Then someone in Newcastle, know someone in Kabul who
2: knows this woman on the ground who had been a woman's activist and who had been in the Afghan water polo team, and that woman is Samira.
4: So at 3am Samira gets this text from this random woman in Australia.
5: Vanessa was like a light in our life, and when she texted us we both were very exciting to see what is plan?
3: What will happen? When I started chatting with Vanessa, I used all my text messages so formally, so respectfully. And her language was not as formal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, uh, as she said, she's a comedy writer. And that was hmm, amazing. Anything, anything which she wants, we provided.
5: One side, we were very happy to have Vanessa. And one side, we think that Vanessa is a normal person like us. Maybe she can't do anything for
4: us. But Vanessa thinks that they can do something for her. She's managed to get Hamara's family onto a humanitarian flight. And she asks Fahim and Samira to escort them safely through the airport. So I
2: got them listed on this humanitarian flight and I went, can you please help me? I will do what I can to get you listed. You need to go and recce the location. They went, everybody met up. They went through this sort of torturous day in the heat of just trying to get in. And then eventually the blast happened.
0: The bomber strapped with explosives had targeted the main entry point to the ringed Hamad Karzai airport at Abbey Gate with the sewer canal and crowds thick with desperate Afghans
3: alongside it. I told Samira that I'm pretty sure that a massive explosion happens.
5: I was shocked and Fahim tried to...
3: uh... I tried to give her some confidence but she just sticked herself to me and she couldn't leave me.
5: It was terrible.
2: I actually saw it pop up my computer as like a BBC alert and it was two minutes, I think, before we got hold of Amira, her family, Fahim and Samira, and they were actually at another gate. So we were incredibly lucky that it wasn't them.
4: Through frantic WhatsApp messages, Vanessa tells Fahim to get everyone out of the airport.
3: I or just organized all teams and I told him that I need you to follow me. And it's just we went here and I saw that lots of people were exc- screaming and we just decided to leave.
2: And at that point, the airport locked down and there was no way you could get into the airport without a British, American,
4: you know, or European passport. Vanessa sends Samira's family back to their safe house. But Fahim and Samira have nowhere to go. By now, Vanessa's been hustling for 10 days, texting, calling, emailing anyone who can help. And through Facebook, a former boyfriend reaches out.
2: And so I ended up through the guy who organised the humanitarian visas, who I once dated when I was 18. (laughs) And he organised a guy in Kabul that was a friend of his to hide
4: them. Weeks go by as they wait for the airport to reopen to Afghans. But eventually, Vanessa decides that Hamira's sisters should go overland to the Pakistan border. This is the edge of the Taliban's territory and they're guarding every inch. They spend four days in the no-man's land between the last Taliban checkpoint and the Pakistan gate, with a very anxious Vanessa on the other end of the phone. But they eventually cross into Pakistan and, weeks later, make it all the way to Newcastle. In fact, Vanessa ends up contributing to more than a hundred people getting out of Afghanistan, including a bunch who go to stay with her sister in Ireland. But she hasn't forgotten Samira and Fahim, and she comes up with a pretty audacious plan for them. I
2: basically commit to the idea that if we can get them out to Islamabad, that. I will financially support them in Islamabad for a year and try and get them a visa to Australia. And I basically decide that the best chance of getting them a visa is not to go down the path of bringing them as a refugee, but they're both actually highly educated and speak good English. So I think perhaps we can meet the criteria for a skilled visa.
4: But before any of that, they have to follow Vanessa's instructions to get across the Pakistan border.
2: When they went to cross that border, I have a text message where they say that from this point onwards, they will be removing everything from their phones, all evidence of our names and everything, and that they will get in touch with me on the other side. And, you know, it's the, it's the last message for probably 17 hours or something like that, where I have no idea where
5: they are, where their paperwork is hidden. We got the Pakistani visa, and uh, we moved at midnight from Kabul to Pakistan. I was sick in the way, and a lot of Taliban, they searched the um, taxis, the um, all the cars, bus.
3: When we arrived, uh, thousands of thousands of people, and they were struggling. ...to go or to pass themselves to the border.
4: In the blazing heat, Afghans line up to make their case to cross. People had been waiting at the border for up to five weeks. And some, mostly children, had died waiting for the urgent medical help they were seeking
3: in Pakistan. Fahim says that the Taliban even murdered some people. They just killed them directly and they put them in the back of the car... they left your body that some people when they're crossing from that way they can see the consequences
4: crossing the border looks impossible to Fahim and Samira but they just have to follow Vanessa's
3: plan she was so direct so strict and so logic she never tried to give a lie hope always her instruction was real instructions. I can't tell you what Vanessa's
4: plan was because there's a risk the Taliban will wise up to other people who might still be using it. But it was legal and it worked. They get over the border in four hours. And it was an incredible relief that when I got the
2: message on that phone. And, you know, it's like climbing a mountain a thousand times because I was so happy they got out but you're just at the bottom of another mountain because now they're in Islamabad on a visa that's gonna expire in two months and you don't know if you can renew it. You don't know if you can get them a job. And I, I, we to- I told them that before they went. I said, I can, all I can do is I can keep trying. And I don't know, it's just a funny thing. Like I just, I feel like my motto is don't look down.
4: <laughs> don't look
2: down, it's too far to fall. Just, just be happy that you got that far.
4: Before they can get a work visa for Australia, Fahim and Samira need to pass an English language test. Again, Vanessa calls on her network.
2: This most brilliant woman who did all the visas, another writer, Alyssa Coons, her and her family in, like, Montana, spent daily hours teaching them and training them for the English
5: as a second language test. And I passed the test. And after test, I had three days' headache... <laughs> that
4: was a big pleasure for me. Then Vanessa has to find them both jobs in Australia.
2: I basically didn't know how I could go about finding a job, but I thought what I needed to find was people who had a social conscience about this matter. and i I went out to lots of people and initially, like Derek Chan and I don't even know how we met. Like it was passed on from somebody to somebody.
4: And this is where you have to follow the dots in this web of people who want to help. Stay with me. Derek Chan is a luthier. He makes guitars in Kyneton outside Melbourne, but he used to work in recruitment. And he hears about Vanessa's request through a friend who came from Newcastle. Derek tries a few avenues looking for work for Samira and Fahim, but he has no luck. He mentions his frustration to his friend Adam Simpson, and Adam has an idea. My name is Louise Stark, and I'm the
0: CEO of Hachette Australia. We work with uh, Simpson solicitors and I've known Adam Simpson for a very long time and he reached out with this request seeing if we could help some people move to Australia and I thought oh wow that sounds really hard. We had to think about could we support her properly you know if if she came here and was traumatised. Do we know what to do with that? Is there support around her that doesn't come from the employer? Um, And once we'd investigated all of that, um, it was clear that if we could help rebuild her confidence and her career options, then that was really
4: what was being asked of us. Hachette creates a role, especially for Samira, working across their finance and marketing departments. She has to do a job interview first, though, with Louise and a couple of her colleagues on Zoom from Islamabad.
0: I think the thing that really struck me, I said, you know, have you ever seen a profit and loss statement? And she said, no. no. even though I was in the finance department, the men in charge would never allow a woman to see that. I remember when she said that to us, you know, Sarah and Alicia, who were with me, we were all just like, you know, we're a bunch of strong women in a female-dominated industry, and we're like, oh... That's just
4: upsetting to hear that. So, um, yeah, so the interview went very, very well. Fahim also does a job interview and he's offered a role managing a bar and restaurant in a busy motel in Western Sydney. Then, once their jobs are in place, they can apply for their work visas. But there's one big, beautiful challenge. Back on that harrowing night they'd spent hiding from the Taliban in Samira's parents' house, they'd made a big commitment
3: in a very dark night of arriving Taliban and the situation was very, very bad and horrible. We just decided to adopt uh, Rohana. She's a, a Samira's biological sister. She was 16 years old. She's the youngest kid of the family. It was a high risk. Very, very high risk and really didn't know what will happen.
4: But if they left Rehana behind, they worried she could have been forcibly married to someone from the Taliban. So she came with them, all the way to Pakistan.
2: It was a risk to their own futures to go through the process of waiting to see if, what would happen with Ray Hanna. And I was aware that if Ray Hanna was unable to come, that they would be staying in Pakistan to actually look after the teenage sister because that's the compromise that would need to be made. And actually they are very good family for Rehana, they were very loyal, and it's it's a hard thing, families being ripped apart like that, where some get an opportunity to go and others don't. And visa laws are very strict.
4: The visa they're applying for, the 186 working visa, allows a couple to bring their own children to Australia, but no other relatives. So they have to demonstrate that the way they adopted Rehana under Afghan customary law is legitimate.
3: Uh, Rihanna adoption process was mission impossible, but we possible that missions.
4: Lawyers work on their visas pro bono, and because it's such a unique case, their migration agents, Talent Beyond Boundaries, even meet with the immigration minister. But while Fahim and Samira are waiting for their visa to be processed, life in Islamabad is tedious. They have no work and little money, and they're impatient to get on with their lives. You know,
5: waiting for a long time, it's very boring. And uh, Pakistan is a different country, and everything was different, and we didn't know their language. We wait for seven months in Pakistan. That
4: was very difficult to us, yeah. Again, Vanessa calls on her networks.
2: I don't live in Sydney, and because their jobs were in Sydney, and because I also have the other 22, because I was already responsible for all those people, I um, also have a job and six children. So I made a group in Sydney through Friends of Friends.
3: My name's Kristen Dunphy, and I'm a writer, and my friend in Newcastle is friends with Vanessa and there were some Afghan refugees coming over and she asked for some help from Sydney people to help get them settled and they arrive tomorrow so we've been waiting a very long time um, and talking to them on Zoom since January and it's just been a very long wait and we're looking forward to them arriving finally. And the next morning,
4: here they come. everyone's here at Sydney Airport to meet them. Oh, oh,
5: the day we arrived, I didn't know uh, in Australia what will happen because everything happened suddenly to us. But the people, they were very close, they were very friendly.
0: Welcome, Welcome Rihanna.
5: It was like they are our family, they were waiting for us. They hug us, they kiss us, and after that we were near water in Barangaro, very beautiful restaurant. We had breakfast there and uh, some birds, beautiful birds, some parrots, they come and they welcome us. <laughs> An opera house that we saw in the internet, <laughs> it was like paradise to us. <laughs> Okay, here we are. Rahana, this is your room.
4: Vanessa's team in spring here. into action, settling them in.
5: And Damira and for him, you'll you'll be in
3: here. Wanna bring that?
4: us you- Woolworth.
3: Yeah, this that's the market.
0: yeah, that's the supermarket here on the right. This is Roselle where yeah, we this live. This is
3: Roselle Bazaar.
0: Mm. Yeah. Roselle Bazaar, that's nice. i call it the bazaar from now on.
3: It was quicker than I got to it. Alright, No problem. The come other on. day we wow. had a trial run to get public transport from my place into Hachette. Seven, oh, oh, Hachette.
5: A, yeah, hi. I'm Hayley. Hi, Hayley. Hello, this oh. is Samira. you. Hi. Come hi. For nice to meet you. <laughs> We're so excited to have you here. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's in well, the office and <laughs> really excited. So. We're all very excited so to so be right. here, aren't we? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Samira started work as soon as she possibly could. She was so desperate to start work because her career had been so badly disrupted. But by the time she got here, she was, you know, she could navigate the city and it's fantastic. And taking away all of that kind of fear of the unknown, that's what Vanessa and her group of amazing
5: volunteers did. I'm a finance and marketing administrator in a Hushet Publishing. And uh, I'm very happy and I love my job. She's so ambitious and she really
0: wants to progress and she wants to train and she wants to learn and uh, I think that's amazing.
5: I learned a lot of new things in my office and people, they help me with my task and with the cultures, uh, Aussie culture, they help me.
4: Thanks to Vanessa, Their lives are really different to other refugees because they arrived in Australia as permanent residents. They have secure jobs for two years. And if things don't work out with their employment, Vanessa and her team have committed to find them other work. Samira and Fahim have just had their 30th birthdays. Fahim's joined a Premier League soccer team. Samira has plans to start an Afghan women's water polo team. And Rahana's blitzed her English exams. She's going into year 10. What would you say to other businesses who might be thinking about
0: doing this? Just do it. It's really not hard. You know, we're not a big company. Like, you know, there's 80 of us here and we found space for someone and she's making a great contribution and she's made our working lives richer. You know, she's increased our understanding of what she has gone through and her family has gone through. She's brought us much,
4: much more than we offered her. As the sun sets on a glittering Sydney harbour, Samira, Fahim and Rehana finally get to meet and say thank you to the dozens of people who helped them make their new life in Australia.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
4: It's at a party being thrown by Fahim's employers, Deb Layla and John Lewis. They also paid for all the family's visa and relocation costs.
3: You're the lawyer. Thank you for all your work.
4: And all those people that Vanessa put together through a thousand text messages and emails are getting to meet each other for the first time too.
3: When Vanessa got the email from me saying I could help, she just thought, "How the hell does this guy can help? This
4: is
1: totally left field."
4: But why did Vanessa want to help Fahim, Samira, and Rehana?
2: It was a funny thing. I just I felt the weight of responsibility for it. It's sort of weird. And, you know, maybe it wouldn't have happened in a world where we weren't so connected on WhatsApp.
4: And Samira's been busy, not just with work. I'm at the opening of an exhibition in Newcastle of Afghan women using fashion to express their culture and feminism. Samira redesigned some of the blue burqas that the Taliban made her wear transforming them into gorgeous party dresses.
5: Yeah. They used to be your burqa. Yeah. Oh my yeah, God. changed them in these beautiful dresses to show that we have the right to choose our coverage.
3: No. Congratulations. I really appreciate this kind of job here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
4: you. And even I've become part of Vanessa's team. I'm teaching Samira how to drive.
5: If the car is here, I should give way to them, yeah? That's
4: right. Yeah. Oh, okay. God. Well done.
1: Follow Me and My Mobile Phone was produced on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation by Claudia Taranto. Our sound engineer was Russell Stapleton. And Vanessa, well, she just doesn't stop. Right now, I'm currently looking
2: for a job for a young man with business experience. So if you know of anybody, do send them my way. I've got all the funds for him. He's somebody I'm looking for the job part for.
1: So if you can help out with a job, drop us a line at Radio National. I'm Miyuki Ranta, and we'll be back with the Ishot in a couple of months and a new season of Tales, all about the idea of remembering and forgetting. That's Remember Me, On our next season of Earshot. I'll catch you then.
4: You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio, and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.
2: Attention, passengers.
0: Hey, it's Jonathan Green here. Uh, Come follow me, it's time to travel. In my show, Return Ticket, I I want to take you on a journey around the world. No passports, no money required, just your mind and some time. (laughs) Come travel with us here on Return Ticket. You'll find all the episodes on
2: the ABC Listen app.